Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. Seeing what the day is for us being Father's Day and how it's nationally recognized, I decided to kind of switch from science to history tonight. And we're going to do a little bit of a history lesson on, I wouldn't say a forgotten character, but maybe an underappreciated character in the story of Christ. And that is Jesus' father, Joseph. Um, There's a lot to Joseph. It seems like there's not a lot. In fact, if you ask people to tell you about Joseph in the Bible, they're probably going to go with a coat of many colors and talk about that one. But the story of Joseph and, and being the father of Jesus, he's kind of there, and people know he's there, and he was the father, but they really don't know a lot about him. So I thought maybe we could do a little bit of a deep dive tonight, kind of get some of the lessons that Joseph gives to us in that story and see how those can apply to our lives here. Um, in your notes, so you follow along, these notes are written as I read them on here, and then I have my own notes written in, so please feel free to follow along if you'd like to. When the word Father is brought up in the conversation of Jesus, it is most often a reference of the Holy Father God. It is understood that the most crucial figure in the life of Christ was indeed God, and a life pledged to serve him in faith was the most important direction of Jesus. It is, however, essential to remember that Jesus had another father. Joseph's story is an important inclusion in the gospel of Christ. It provides examples of what a man of God should be, what a faithful husband should be, and what a father is required to do. So I thought we would just start off with a little bit of background about who Joseph was. Um, Joseph was most likely from Bethlehem. He is a descendant of David, direct descendant of David, and David's family was, of course, from Bethlehem. That was his area there. So Jesus being in Nazareth, he was probably either moved there as a child or taken over with his family or maybe possibly to look for work. So that's how he ended up in Nazareth. But he was a direct descendant from the King David. And that's something interesting to think about there, that that Jesus' line starts with Joseph being from King David. Um, Joseph had a very difficult job. Now, the scripture talks about Jesus and mentions him as being the son of a carpenter. So we know Jesus was a carpenter as well. Uh, His father, Joseph, was a carpenter. And there's an interesting word in the Septuagint. Septuagint is basically just the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Um, It was actually a translation that was used with early Christianity. It was very, very popular in bringing those to Christ. And in the Septuagint, they use the word tecton that you see in there. Tectone means carpenter, but it also means craftsman. It means um, all-around handyman, somebody who was able to do multiple things. So while Joseph was indeed somebody who could have built beams for houses and and put housing homes together, he was probably also responsible for building wells. Um, He could be building chariots, wagon wheels, things like that as well. And then when historians talk about the carpenters back in those days, there was not a Home Depot to go to where you went and bought your tools, and that's how you did your trade. If you needed tools, you made tools. So he probably had a background in metallurgy as well, and that's just basically bending and manipulating metal for what you need. He needs a saw, he makes a saw. He needs a hammer, he makes a hammer. He needs an axe, he makes an axe. And all of those things help build with that. So in the kind of the realm of what it would be like to be a carpenter in Nazareth. Nazareth is not a particularly hot area if you look at the temperature there. It tops off at about between 80 to 90 degrees out of the year. But with the ocean right by it, it has an insane amount of humidity. 
in there. So if you can think 89 degrees in an extremely humid atmosphere, and Joseph is doing this back-breaking carpentry work. This would be lifting huge lumber and timber and, you know, big metal-heavy instruments to help him with this thing. This was not an easy job. This was not a job that you would do as a life of luxury. If you are a carpenter, it's something that was learned or passed down to you, and you did it as a means of getting by with your money. So Joseph is betrothed to Mary. And we're going to look at some of these uh, passages here so you can kind of see what's going on in the very beginning stages. And then the amazing parts of Joseph are going to kind of transform as we read through the scripture. Matthew 18, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So we have to understand what marriage meant back in those times. In the Jewish law, marriage was a two-step process. There was betrothment. Betrothment was the legal part of the marriage. Betrothment could happen years before the quote-unquote wedding could happen before that. So he was betrothed to Mary. Everybody knows Mary and Joseph belong together. And eventually, there's going to be the second step in the process which is a big party, which we'd probably call a wedding nowadays, and then an official invitation into the home. And that is the final step within the legal process of saying you are officially man and wife. So that is where they're at when all this occurs. They're in between the two steps, between betrothment and the official acceptance into the home. Matthew 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Mary is coming to Joseph, and she has to explain this unbelievable thing. How do you explain that to somebody you have been betrothed to for possibly years at this point, but at least a while, and explain, I'm pregnant? Now Joseph has to understand what is going on here. He's got to take in every single thing that's being said, mull it over in his brain, and come up with a decision. And what does the scripture say here? He says, Joseph, uh, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And here's where the divorce comes in. Because the betrothment was considered the legal part of marriage, a divorce would be required to end that betrothment or they had a legal period of time that they would have to wait. And if the marriage didn't complete within that time, then the betrothment was null and void. But they're not to that point yet. So he's like, I am going to have to divorce her. And I'm going to have to do it in secret. There's a few things to take away from where Joseph was at in all of this. And I want to look at these points. Because this speaks to the character of who Joseph was. When God chose Mary to be the birth mother of Jesus, he also chose Joseph to be the father. I think we have to understand that. God was not going to put somebody in Jesus' immediate life that was going to discourage him, that was going to tell him, you are not the Messiah, we are not going to do this, you're going to be a, a stumbling block to me and my plans and my future. No, God chose Joseph as well. And that's something to keep in mind. And we see why in Matthew eight nineteen here, and this little bit about him wanting to divorce her quiet. The scripture tells us four crucial items in this short verse. Joseph, first of all, was slow to anger. Can you imagine the circumstance of Joseph at that time? Here's this person that he has loved, he is excited to marry, who has a great reputation from where she's at, and now she's pregnant. 
I think a lot of our first reactions, men out there, would probably be, who was it? Who was the guy? Tell me. Give me a name. I'm going to go over there and rough them up. Or you're lying to me. You're telling me something that can't be true. This is insane. A magic baby was put inside of you? Just doesn't make sense. But Joseph doesn't do that. He is very slow to anger because Joseph's smart and he's thinking things through. He knows who Mary is. Mary is of high reputation. And he knows that she is known for being a virgin among her people. And Joseph is, I can't understand what's happening. I need more information. The scripture tells us that Joseph was a follower of the law. That's a big thing too. Joseph wasn't one of those, oh, well, you know, we're just going to go with it. Don't worry about it. No, Joseph understands the consequences that could happen to Mary through all of this. And because of that, the next point, we see how much Joseph loved Mary. He could have flown off the handle. He could have attacked her. He could have divorced her instantly, publicly, and gotten all the scrutiny off himself and put back on her, but he loved her. And the last one is Joseph cares about the reputation of Mary even if it meant he couldn't be with her. The scripture uses the word divorce, showing that the legal process of betrothment had already been established. Under Jewish law, Mary would have faced imprisonment or even public execution for being unfaithful. Now, does that put you in the mindset of where Joseph is at right now? Not only could I lose the woman I love, but she could be killed in front of her friends and family. So this is why Joseph sought to put her away in, in secret. Despite Mary's presumed attempts to explain what had happened to Joseph, he must have wrestled with his thoughts and feelings, not understanding what had happened to his beloved wife-to-be. God sees the struggle and sends a message to Joseph, Matthew 1.20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And Joseph was no doubt astonished by this news, but the joy he must have had in the validation of Mary's story was truly a gift from God. Do you remember... When Jesus was on the cross, after the most brutal torture, beating, forced uh, crowd upheavals against him, when it felt like every single person in the world was against him, God gave Jesus a gift on the cross. Do you remember what it was? There was one on one side and one on the other. And that thief said, Please, take me into your kingdom tonight. I believe in you. That was a gift from God. Jesus, what you are doing right now on that cross is not in vain. And how do you know? Because you already are saving people even in the most precarious spot that you can be in. A gift from God. Joseph, struggling. What is going on in my life right now? I am losing the woman I love. The town may execute her. My life is in shambles from what I had planned. And God sends him a gift and says, nope, Mary's telling you the truth. And you got to believe this because I'm doing something special for you. Joseph was well-versed in Jewish law and would have understood the prophet being spoken of as Isaiah in Matthew 1, 22. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through his prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Joseph would have understood these words to be from Isaiah, because he was well versed in the law at that time. They knew Isaiah very well. Now, can you imagine Joseph going from a place of pure panic to a place of pure responsibility? You mean this story that I've heard all my life, this prophecy I heard all my life, I am part of this right now? You are giving this to me right now to have the responsibility over? And that's what God's doing. Matthew 1, 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. What did we talk about the law? This was the last step in the process for marriage. Joseph fulfilled it right away, obeyed God, and took her into his home. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. This part here is very, very important. As men, when we grow up, we think, when I become older, when I become an adult, I'm going to find my career, I'm going to find my stride, I'm going to get my company together, I'm going to make tens of millions of dollars, I'm going to change the world, I'm going to set everything on fire, it's going to be the most amazing life ever. And Joseph is now asked to basically erase the, all of that because he has a higher calling now to serve God. Joseph is putting his reputation on the line by marrying a woman who will clearly appear pregnant before the people of the town. This would no doubt elicit rumors, whispering, and backbiting. But Joseph is willing to take this on for the fulfillment of God's plan. I don't care if they talk about us, Mary. I don't care what they say. I don't care if we're looked at, or snickered at, or pointed at, because this is from God. And I'm willing to push off my own desires to take this on. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, reading between the lines. But this is what Joseph is saying by making this act towards his wife, towards what God has asked of him. Verse 25, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph shows respect to both Mary and God by waiting to consummate their marriage until Jesus is born. Joseph did not make this process about him, but gave the glory to God. Joseph honors God one more time by naming the baby Jesus. Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. I try to put myself in this position, like what would this have been like? For me would I have put up a fight <laughs> what I would have said no 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 this is way too much to deal with it's gonna be far more embarrassing to have to deal with the implications of my my fiance so to speak being pregnant by something else other than me I can't deal with this Joseph does not hesitate after the dream says he takes her right into his house Joseph's real test of faith is going to come after the birth of Jesus. So to this point, Joseph has been faithful. He's followed everything that God has said. Now in my mind, if I knew that I was part of this prophecy, if I was going to be help, help taking care of the chosen one, Emmanuel, God's got my back. God's going to be looking after me, protecting me. Anybody tries to step to my family, boom, zap from heaven and they're gone. I'm watching his son. 
all right? I got the double protection from God on all of this. But Joseph's going to see that things in life as a believer are not that easy in the next parts of the story here. Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken by the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their town to register. Now, I don't know if you guys remember the last census that we took. It's annoying enough to fill out a piece of paper or have somebody knock on your door. <laughs> but to make that journey, that is a journey of both dealing with the elements, dealing with a, a pregnant wife, and dealing with financial issues. Joseph, it says, it is, Mary was of a, a poor stature to where she had to give a different tribute because she couldn't afford it. So we know Joseph didn't have a lot of money. And they have to make this journey for the census that's being pulled out. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Okay, I thought God had our back here. <laughs> I thought the, the royal carpet would be rolled out for us. But now I make that journey to my hometown, Bethlehem, where my people are from, and there's no room at the inn for me and my wife. Could you imagine what it was like for Joseph as this father to have to see his child laid in a wooden crate, so to speak, the, king, the son of God, the king of kings, in a box. What must that felt like for Joseph as a father? Personally, I probably would have thought I was failing. You trusted me with this gift, God, and, and this is the best I can do. I have to put him in a stable in a box. So Joseph is getting a realization that things are not going to be easy for him. Joseph is introducing Jesus to the world outside of Nazareth for the first time. He's met with a long trip, terrible lodging, and is reduced to having his son laid in a manger. Joseph is understanding that life is going to be rough taking care of God's miracle. But he stays faithful. King Herod seeks to kill his newborn. So Jesus, um, so by pinpointing that the child is in Bethlehem and orders that all male babies would be killed, so Joseph is now thrust into the role of being a fugitive. So now not only do I have to take my child and have them born in the less than ideal conditions in all of this, but now I also have to become a fugitive from the law. Jesus is going to be hunted down, so to speak, by Herod and terminated. That's the plan. And Joseph is finding this out and saying, oh no, what do I do? How do I protect my family? How do I protect this gift that God gives me? And he goes on the run. Matthew 2.13 And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape from Egypt. Okay, so not even like, get up, get your stuff together, get your affairs in order, and two weeks from now, get out. Get on your way. No, get up now. You gotta go. It's time to get out. 
Get up and take the child as mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, he took the child and his mother, and he went to the land of Israel. When he heard that, the Arch, uh, that Archelaus was resigning in Judea in, a place that his, uh, in the place of his father Herod, sorry, he was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, having been warned in a dream that he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth again. So was fulfilled that was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So this angel tells him, you've got to get up, you've got to get to Egypt, and Joseph goes. Now while in Egypt, he's got to take care of his family. He has to reestablish himself. He would have to have looked for work. He would have had to find the place to fit back in again. Get his family into a safe location. And then as soon as he does, the angel appears to him again and says, Now you're good. Herod's dead. Go back. And as he picks up his life again and the life of his family and starts to head back, he gets another message saying, Well, actually, Herod's son's in charge and you're still in trouble and you can't go there. So now where does he end back up? Right in the place where he started. How does that play with your head as a father who is trying to keep his family in, in an in upward motion and a growing path, trying to, to survive, trying to pay for their needs, trying to pay for their goods, when all he is doing is constantly moving to escape danger for Jesus? But did you catch the most important part? Joseph never says a word in these scriptures. He just goes. He just goes. I got to uproot my life? Okay. I got to be hunted down by Herod for my son? Okay. I got to go right back to where we started again? Okay. And he just goes. Joseph's life as Jesus' father was one of constant uncertainty and movement. It would have been so hard to establish yourself in a town, find work, and create a safe environment of your family, only be told to get up and move everything and start over. But, but Joseph understood his calling. He had to be a father, and this requires sacrifice. But God would, however, allow Joseph to see a glimpse of Jesus becoming the Messiah without knowing that. We'll talk about that in just a second. I don't know your own personal situations. Some of you, I do. I don't know how your relationship was with your father. Some of you I do. Some of you might have had a fantastic dad who was there for you all the time. Some of you may have had a dad that made a lot of mistakes but tried really hard to reconcile and do the right thing for those. Some of you may have never seen your father. It's okay. It's okay. Because the story of Joseph is not just for fathers. And we're going to see that here in just a second. The story of Joseph is for mothers who are raising sons. The story of Joseph is for women seeking that person to marry and share their life with. See, if they're not willing to get out and obey God and say, whatever you say I'm going to do, Lord, they're not of the same caliber as Joseph. Maybe I need to throw myself in that group as well. See, I ask questions all the time. Lots and lots of questions. Why? 
Is it the best thing? Should we be doing this? Does this make the most sense? Have we researched enough? Joseph can't jump on Google like I do to get reviews of the places he's going to, the people he's working with, the job opportunities that's available. It was blind faith in God. You tell me to do it, I'm going to do it. Joseph was faithful, just like Jesus' other father. Because God saw something in Joseph that he was trying to teach himself and wanted to be taught to Jesus. Obey what I tell you. Be faithful to me always. Have respect for the people that you are caring for so that they can see me working in you. And Joseph said, yes, I will do this, Lord. I will do this. So in Luke, the second chapter, in verse 45. Again, they go on a trip. <laughs> There's an entourage in this trip. Let's just say this. There are people traveling together. It's very rare for people to travel in small groups for a number of reasons. But when people had to make long-distance travels, they usually traveled in a group. And we know the story of Jesus being left behind. And it's like a home-alone situation. We forgot Jesus so they had to think, where is he? Where is Jesus at? So in Luke, the second chapter, verse 45, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, three days of him missing, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Can you imagine Joseph? When he sees Jesus, who has been gone for three days, and instead of this crying mess of a child in front of him, he's kicking back with the most prestigious teachers of the time, asking them questions. Joseph is starting to see what God is promising come to fruition here. Everyone who heard him was amazed in his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. I don't know if this was just like a oh, gut punch to Joseph. To hearing that. Understanding that, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not his father. I am, but he has a higher calling in this life than what I can give him. And he is now coming to the realization of what he was meant to do, and that was serve his heavenly father here on earth. But they were astonished. Joseph got to see this happen. Joseph got to understand that Jesus was now of a mature age where he could talk back and forth and actually spread the word to people ask questions, have a deeper understanding of what God intended for him, and he was astonished by that. But then in verse 50 it says, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Joseph still hasn't quite taken in after raising this child as his own, but there was so much more planned for the Messiah than just growing up on earth here. 
there's a very interesting thing about Joseph, and maybe the most interesting facts of this. Joseph is only mentioned just a few times in the Bible. That is it. Mary's mentioned a lot. Mary is mentioned a lot, but Joseph only a few times. Mary is going to be given the ultimate gift from God by being able to see the end of the path of Jesus' life here on earth, witnessing his death on the cross, which is, does not sound like a gift at all as a mother, but understanding that he fulfilled the scripture and she was a pivotal role in making sure that happened. Most historians believe that Joseph has probably was deceased by that time. Uh, we've read a lot of commentaries from theologians and historians for that, and they talked about the life expectancy of men and the time they got married, and a lot of it's speculation. But Joseph had a very hard job. Life could have caught up to him. He could have passed away at that time. And that's the reason why Jesus tells Mary, woman, behold your son. He's going to take care of you now when he's, on, when he's about to be executed on the cross. So Joseph never got to see the death of Jesus Christ. He did get to see the amazing, astonishing display that he had when he was talking to the most learned teachers, but he never got to see it come to the end. But God took care of Joseph. Look at just the few points that are listed here. Joseph is only mentioned in the Bible in a few passages, yet that in that short record we can see all the examples of what a father should be. Joseph was slow to anger and was understanding, Matthew 18, 19. Joseph cared more about others than himself, Matthew 18, 19. And you can also include every verse where he just got up and left because it didn't matter what he wanted. It didn't matter what he established. All that mattered was he was serving what God asked for him. Joseph was a respecter of the law, which we are also commanded to be in Scripture. Joseph loved his wife, Matthew 18, 19. Enough that he was willing to take all the blame and shame and everything else upon him to make sure that she didn't have to. Jesus obeyed the Lord's command, Matthew 2, 14. Joseph was responsible for his family, Matthew 1, 24, 25. In all scripture, Joseph never utters a word, but instead shows his faithfulness through his actions. All of this about Joseph the Father of Jesus never says a word. Not a word recorded for us. Because talk is cheap. And actions are what we learn from. And that's what Joseph did, his actions. Joseph never utters a word, but instead shows his faithfulness through his actions. His name translates as Jehovah shall increase. And Joseph shows us that God will increase our lives in both faithfulness and grace when we obey immediately. Joseph was rewarded for his patience and virtue with several other children. Perhaps Joseph's greatest lesson is that we all have a part to play in God's plan. Most historians and theologians believe that Joseph died long before the events of Christ's death, but he laid the foundations of respect, honor, hard work, and faithfulness that would carry Jesus, excuse me, we carry Jesus through to his adult years. Whatever role God gives us in his kingdom, we must act as Joseph and simply obey. Amen. For that. Fathers, do not think 
what you do doesn't matter. It is being watched, it is being studied, and it is being taken into the heart of your children. Joseph was a man of honor. Jesus was a child of honor. Joseph was a man of hard work. Jesus was a man of hard work. Joseph was a man of faithfulness. Jesus was a man of faithfulness. Joseph was a man of honor, and Jesus was a man of honor. Those things were taught to Jesus. Yes, he was the Messiah, but he had to go through the process of being raised and being conditioned to follow God. Fathers, that is your number one job in life. And we don't always do the best job of it. Because unlike Joseph, we are focused on that job. We are focused on that career. We are focused on trying to deal with our own demons or pull ourselves up out of a bad place. Meanwhile, our children are hurting. But if our job is to follow Christ and we do it, look at what the scripture tells us. God blesses. He gives Joseph a gift. Yes, this is not your blood child, but you are willing to take him on as a responsibility. He is Emmanuel, God with you. Joseph had his home with God there. Right there in his presence. That was a gift. And when you have your home to serve God, God is right there with you. For those of you, again, who do not have fathers, or didn't know them, or they passed on, or you can't wish them a happy Father's Day today, that is okay. Because you have had your entire life the best father you could ever have in our father above. He has seen every tear. He's watched every false step. He's seen every triumph and fall. And he's been holding his hands out the entire time to catch you. The entire time. He's seen when you've run to him with open arms and say, I need you, God. And he's seen you turn your back when there were things far more important. And he never took a step back from you. You may not have had a Joseph in your life. You may not have had an earthly father in your life. And the one you did may not have lived up to the expectations that they should have. But you have never been without a father, ever. Come to me. That's what the scripture tells us. Come to me. And when we do, he will bless us again and again. I hope if you have pain inside your heart because you've been in a situation where you have not had a good relationship with your father, I hope if you have that pain that you'll pray for it. And if not, please come to one of us. We will pray for you. But if you do have that pain in your heart, give it to God and say, Father, I love you. You have had my back this entire time and you will have my back until the end of my life. No damage that can be done by an earthly father who's abusive or neglectful 
or just absent can outdo what our Father gives us every day. So happy Father's Day, God. <laughs> Which every day should be.